For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Are those familiar words to you? From Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, the second chapter, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We could say that those are the pillars of the church summed up in a single verse, couldn't we? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, which is communicated to us through Scripture alone. Perhaps that takes you back to your confirmation days. Maybe your pastor taught you, or is teaching you now if you're in confirmation, the three pillars of the church, the solas. Have you ever heard that? The Latin word meaning only or one. Our English word solo comes from it. Faith alone, grace alone communicated clearly in Scripture alone. Here, here's the way Paul said it when he wrote to the church at Rome. He said, Therefore, not one person will be justified, that is, declared righteous before God, by doing what the law says, because the law teaches us to recognize sin. And so he claims and proclaims, now God has shown a righteousness that comes from Him, a righteousness that is apart from the law, to which the law and the prophets indeed testify, he says. This righteousness is by faith in Jesus Christ, and it comes from God to all who believe. Therefore, he says, there's no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and they are justified, again, declared to be righteous freely by His grace through the ransom that Christ Jesus paid. And so Paul then concludes that third chapter in Romans by saying, For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Now, you might be saying to yourself, why in the world are you beating us over the head this morning with something that we very clearly know? And the reason for that is because our Scripture readings for today are filled with the word command or commandments. Sounds very lawish, doesn't it? By grace you have been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, not fulfilling the law, not doing what God says. If I were to ask you this question... And I will say it that way because often I say, let me ask you a question. And what I found is people just sit there and look at me. They don't answer. That's because we Lutherans don't do that dialogue and stuff like that, right, in worship. But, but if I were to ask you the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? How would you answer that? Now, you might be surprised because the majority of people who stand as members of the body of Christ, will start talking to you about what they've done or haven't done. In other words, they'll start telling you about law stuff. And the danger of that is that it leads us into sin that we often don't recognize as sin. Let me explain what I mean by that. 
John writes in our epistle one, two, three, four, five times, four times in the gospel reading, twice in the first reading in the book of Acts. But in our epistle reading specifically, he says this. He says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. Hmm. Sounds like my relationship with God is based upon following commandments, doing works of the law. For this is the love of God, he goes on to say, that we keep His commandments. But then he says an incredible statement. The next statement that he says is, His commandments are not burdensome. Do you fall into the temptation of believing that your life in Christ is a burden? When we, when we communicate who we are as children of God, and we do so not by identifying the cross of Christ in the empty tomb, the wonder of God's grace that forgives all of my sins, but by what I'm doing or I'm not doing, by commandments or by following the commands of God, then we fall into that terrible trap. It's a very sinful thing because it either leads me to despair or it leads me to excuse or it leads me to arrogance and pride. You've never done that though, have you? <laughs> You've never compared yourself to someone else, right? Oh, remember the story about the individuals praying in the temple that Jesus told? One's a Pharisee and the other's this low-down, dirty, rotten publican. Remember that story? What does the Pharisee do? He stands up and looking up to heaven. He tells God everything he's done and hadn't done. In other words, what he's saying is, God, you ought to be pretty happy with me. Because after all, I follow exactly what John says. I love God because I obey His commandments. So God's got to love me more, doesn't He? Doesn't He love you more? When you do exactly what's right? But think about that, because that means He loves you less when you don't. And it leads us to, to doing that kind of comparing. Have you, have you ever heard the, uh, anyone speak about uh, the story of the man who said, I, um, uh, I was uh, complaining because I had no shoes. But then I met a man who had no feet. Meaning, as I compare what I have and who I am based upon what he has and what he has, well, then I'm, I'm okay, I'm pretty good. I don't have anything to be worried about or complain about. And, and what I always do is say, well, then what's the next step in that thought process? What does the guy with no feet got to do? Does he have to find somebody with no legs before he can say, well, praise God, I'm not like that. What's the guy with no legs got to do? So he got to find somebody with no arms too? What? Do you see where it leads us? And ultimately what it leads us to is not focusing on that wonder of God's grace in the crucifixion. But it leads us to focus on how am I doing? And so what I do is I get law and gospel all goofed up. But you know what the, the word that is used by John in both the gospel reading and the epistle reading, every time we translate it as commandment, what that word 
really means is this is the thing that is in charge. This is the new governing factor of my life. The governing factor that John continually reminds us of is not what we do, but it's the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now certainly, as we keep ourselves focused at the foot of the cross where we know our sins are forgiven because I need that desperately, that leads me to a life that celebrates who I've been recreated to be. Think about that. John is not saying, I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm giving you another law. I'm giving you something that you got to keep doing or God won't be happy with you. What he's saying is, live in the absolving light of Jesus' love. Do we all know what the word absolve means? If you know what the word absolve means, raise your hand. If you don't know what the word absolve means, raise your hand. If you don't have the guts to raise your hand, raise your hand. Ah, yeah, okay, all right, okay. The word absolve is just a wonderful word that says everything is washed away, everything is forgiven, everything is gone. All my arrogance when I stop and think that I'm doing better than the next person, so I'm a pretty good Christian. God nailed to the cross because that damns me just as much as specifically doing those things which are in opposition to God's will. Every time I'm tempted to count and compare and say, well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm a pretty loving guy. Absolve means that for Jesus' sake, for his bitter suffering and death, God forgives that. He washes it away. He doesn't make it part of our relationship anymore. And so now I'm free. I'm free to do what? To love as I've first been loved. I'm free to just simply let you know how much God loves you too by the things I say and by the things that I do or by the things I say I won't be a part of or I won't do because all of those things do what? They give evidence to the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is not a new rule that John is talking about. This is the linchpin in what it means to be a Christian. Does everybody know what a linchpin is? I, I brought a kind of a sample of a linchpin along. It's not exactly one, um, but you probably recognize this, especially being in farm country. You know, this, uh, this is what you, uh, when, you put the, um, when you put the hitch on the back of your pickup truck, slide it in the box, right? And what do you do? You put this pin in there, and, uh, of course, the little cotter pin keeps the linchpin in, but, but the linchpin is what enables you to... To haul stuff. Now, do you need brake lights? Oh, absolutely, right? Do you need running lights? Absolutely. Do you need the tires on the trailer to work? Sure you do. Do you need to make sure you got the right ball size that matches and it fits down in tight? Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you need to put on safety chains? Sure you do. But you can do all of those things. And if you don't have a linchpin that holds that to the, to the back of the truck, you know what's going to happen? I can tell you what will happen because it happened to me in 1996. Coming back from Wyoming, trailer broke loose that I was pulling behind and crossed the medium and hit head on to a car coming the other direction. Fortunately, no one was injured, but it sure made a mess. And that's the way our lives are when we confuse the linchpin. The linchpin that holds everything together, that makes us who we are, is not what we do. 
It's not keeping the commandments perfectly before God. It's recognizing that I don't. And so I turn to what God has accomplished for me in Christ Jesus. I turn to that horrible punishment that's rightfully mine, that Jesus suffered on the cross of Calvary for me. I turn to that empty tomb where the Scriptures tell me because He lives, so I too now live, what? A new life. That's the overriding governing factor of who we've been recreated to be. That's the linchpin in our lives. That's why by grace alone, through faith alone, proclaimed in God's Word alone is where we stand. And when I fail to love as I've first been loved, where do I go? Not to a self-help book or not to the ten steps that I can do that will make me love better. No, 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 no. I go to the promise of God because that's where I can stand in certainty. That's where I can know that it's the truth. That's the stable thing. That's the linchpin that holds it all together. And that's what frees us. That's what frees us to be the people that God has called us to be and to let our light so shine among men What did Jesus say in Matthew's gospel? That others may see the good we do to give glory to God who is in heaven. And so John kind of sums it up when he says, This is the victory that overcomes the world. Not you and me living the perfect life. But he says, it's our faith. A faith that trusts that God is faithful. He has done what He claims He's done for us in Christ Jesus. That the empty tomb is the guarantee that our sins are forgiven. And that we are now free to be the loving people that He's called us to be. As we live in the absolving light of Jesus' love. Amen? You can say amen. It's Lutheran, but you can say it. Amen? Amen. 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 May the peace of God, that peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.